welcome to the Once Was Lost podcast, where we feature episodes on specific true crime cases, and we are the partner podcast, The Owl, Once Was Lost Missing Persons phone app for iOS and Android. It literally helps you in the moments after a person goes missing and alerts all OWL users in the vicinity that eyes and ears need to be searching. Uh, you know, if you're in the area of this occurrence, just it's just the law of large numbers of people all dedicated to the same thing, and that's the safe return of the individual or individuals. We also are partnered with the stories of the unsolved.com, uh, where you can find all of these stories in a blog format. That's absolutely incredible as far as content and detailed info of each true crime story. They have many missing person cases, including specifically murdered uh, individuals and solved cases as well. Please rate and please subscribe at owl-oncewaslost.com or wherever you get your podcasts from and download that app, uh, especially if you have kids or any elderly parents, uh, you know, people with psychological uh, issues that um, may wander off. Uh, please make sure and download that app. So let's get into today's episode. This is uh, concerning Tanya Marie Merle, uh, who was born on June 20th of 1976 to her parents, Vivian and Jack. Vivian worked as a bakery manager while Jack was a carpenter who built new houses for Allrit Homes on the west side of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And according to those who knew the family, Vivian and Jack were known for their partying lifestyle their use of marijuana and their love of rock music and for riding Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Merle family resided in a small rented bungalow at 10426-145th Street in Edmonton, an area which is said to have been the home to numerous registered and convicted molesters and rapists. Tanya is described as having been a happy child whom everyone loved. While quiet and content, she was also known for her love of singing and tap dance. When she wasn't playing with her Barbie dolls or in the sandbox in the family's backyard, she could be found in the water as she was a good swimmer. When she grew up, she'd hoped to become a, vet a veterinarian as she loved animals. At 7.30 a.m. on January 20th of 1983, Tanya's aunt, Virtus Stortz, was dropped off at the mural home by her common-law husband as she would be babysitting the children for the day. To her recollection, Tanya and her five-year-old brother, John, were eating breakfast while Jack left the house for work. Vivian is said to have been talking with her daughter before she, too, left the house just after 8 a.m. According to her fellow classmates, Tanya was last seen leaving her first grade class at Grosvenor Elementary School at around 11 a.m. She was meant to meet up with John, and the pair were going to walk home for lunch, where Vera was waiting for them. When John exited the school, he found his sister was not there and assumed she'd went on without him, so he made the block and a half trek home himself. John arrived home at 11.20 a.m., and when questioned by his aunt as to his sister's whereabouts, he explained that other students had told him that Tanya had gone to a friend's house for lunch. However, when Vera went to check, she found her niece was not at the house. Concerned, Vera contacted Vivian at work, who automatically knew something was wrong. While she hoped her daughter had simply gone to a friend's house, she couldn't shake the feeling and decided to head home. When she arrived, she learned that Vera had been searching up and down the street for Tanya to no avail. 
Jack was also contacted and sharing the same feeling as his wife, immediately returned home to search for his missing daughter. Hoping to find Tanya in class, Vivian went to Grosvenor Elementary School, but found her daughter's desk empty. At this point, she phoned the Edmonton Police Service and an officer stopped by the house where he made note of what Tanya was wearing and began a door-to-door search of the area. Throughout the course of the day and into the night, Vivian and Jack hoped their daughter had simply decided to have an impromptu sleepover with a friend and had forgotten to inform them, but she failed to show up for school the next morning. She was not been seen or heard from since. So in the search, initially those investigating Tanya's disappearance weren't quite sure how to handle it. However, the police did state they believed she left via the elementary school's east doors at approximately 11.10 a.m. and didn't wait for her brother's class to break for lunch. The story made both national and international news with outlets across Canada and the United States reporting on Tanya's disappearance. For weeks, her case was was a lead story on local newscasts. The search for Tanya involved hundreds of personnel, including police officers, friends, relatives, and citizen volunteers. The ground search was the largest up to that point in Edmonton's history, with hundreds of city blocks, including alleys, ravines, and the neighborhood where the mural family lived, checked by those on foot and by vehicle. Despite the extensive searches, her clothing and school books were never located, neither were any witnesses. Only her Safeway bag was located at the school. According to some of the children who attended Grover Elementary School, they had seen a girl chased by a German shepherd, but this has not been substantiated and is currently unknown if the girl was Tanya. Detectives were flooded with tips about the case, but few turned out to be of any significance. Both of Tanya's parents were ruled out as suspects as they were both at work at the time of her disappearance. However, due to her drug use and the partying lifestyle, investigators were of the belief that someone who was acquainted with the family, could have possibly been involved. This theory was further spurred by community rumors, which said Jack had owed hundreds of dollars to a small-time drug dealer for some marijuana he purchased. That sounds like a lot to go through over a couple hundred dollars, though, right? Not long after Tanya vanished, the family dog Harley disappeared. However, foul play was not suspected. At one point during the investigation, Tanya's parents were the victims of an extortion attempt a crime for which a man was eventually committed or convicted. And in the summer of 2008, a basement was excavated about 20 blocks from where the family lived in 1983. This search was the result of a tip the lead detective received from a woman who claimed she had been a playmate of Tanya's and was suspicious about a hole in the basement of her family's home. However, the excavation turned up nothing. Around 30 years after the disappearance, a former school friend of Tanya's came forward to say the missing girl had approached her on the day in question to say she was going to the nearby 7-Eleven for lunch as she had some spare money. The convenience store was in the opposite direction of the mural home, and according to the woman, she last saw Tanya walking alone in a southwest direction towards 144th Street towards Stony Plain Road at 147th Street. The case is considered the biggest missing child case in Edmonton's history, and currently investigators are of the theory that she was abducted and murdered. Throughout the course of the investigation, they have checked with molesters and rapists who were known to live in the area. So there's a few theories, and the primary theory in the case is that a man who was known to the family abducted Tanya. 
An alcoholic, he was 31 years old at the time and did not have a solid alibi for the day the young girl went missing. According to those who knew him and the family, he'd taken Tanya and her brother alone camping, and around the time of her disappearance, he'd wrote a poem about a love that could never happen. He is also said to have been violent, having once smashed a beer bottle into a man's face while playing cards, while another time he turned off the ignition of the Murrow family station wagon, resulting in the car entering a ditch. Around the time of Tanya's disappearance, he moved away from Edmonton, and would later have a daughter whom he named after the missing girl. Investigators interrogated him for 11 hours, and while he didn't explicitly deny abducting Tanya, he is reported as saying, fuck you, you ain't got a body, and a polygraph test was proved to be inconclusive. The evidence they did have resulted in the police offering him a plea deal of second-degree murder, which he refused. He has never faced any criminal charges in relation to the case because, while detectives believe they have enough for a murder charge, they fear the evidence may not be enough to secure a conviction. The man is also a person of interest in the 1979 disappearance of nine-year-old Kevin Reimer, who went missing after he wandered away from his family's campsite in Elk Island National Park in Alberta. The young boy's body was eventually found not too far from where he was last seen, and the person in question is said to have worked at the park at the time. According to Vivian, the man was not capable of harming Tanya, a stance further backed up by Jack. This was despite her friends warning her not to let him near her children, and these friends would report years later that Vivian had changed her opinion of the man and believed him to have killed her daughter. Currently, the man's whereabouts and whether he is still alive were unknown. His last known location was Ontario, where he moved in the spring of 83. A second theory in the case is that Tanya was taken by a woman who couldn't bear her own child. This is the theory held by the missing girl's younger sister, Alicia, who believes she's still alive and has been brainwashed. The basis for this theory is a witness who reported seeing a woman dragging an unwilling girl down the sidewalk at 144th Street near 104th Avenue around the time of Tanya's disappearance. Two years after her disappearance, Tanya's sister, Alicia, was born. Unable to bear the stress brought on by the case, the family eventually relocated to Kelowna, British Columbia. Jack and Vivian would divorce in the 1990s as a result of mental and emotional toll of Tanya's disappearance. They both developed substance abuse issues and have since passed away. Vivian in 2011 and Jack in 2005. Tanya's brother, John, also suffered from substance abuse problems later in life and would eventually die as well. Tanya's parents set up the Tanya Murrow Missing Children's Society, which is said to be the first agency in Canada to have a sole focus on missing children. The society dissolved a few years after its creation due to the toll of Tanya's disappearance on the family, but its legacy is not lost. The case resulted in the creation of the first Alberta chapter of Child Find, and the organization said the case continues to serve as a reminder to parents to ensure their children know what to do in the face of danger and how to avoid it. A book titled What Happened to Tanya was released about this case. Tanya Marie Murrow went missing from Grosvenor Elementary School in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on January 20th of 1983. She was six years old and was last seen wearing a black Harley Davidson t-shirt, blue and white winter coat with fur trim around the collar and a high brown boots and white bikini panties. The time of her disappearance she stood at three foot two inches and weighed approximately 45 pounds. 
She had sandy blonde to light brown hair, and her eyes are said to have been either brown or hazel. Her ears are pierced, and she had a birthmark on her right temple, which is about the size of a quarter. Currently, the case is classified as non-family abducted, and if alive, she would be 44 years old. Those with information about the case are asked to contact the Edmonton Police Service at 780-421-3382 or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police at 877-318-3576. So that's going to do it for the case of Tanya Marie Merle. Please rate and subscribe. Please hit the five-star button if you like what we're doing here. This is a one-man show, and so is the phone app, which is, uh, you know, if we get any Patreon funds, we're, we're grateful. We ask that people just pledge $3 a month at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash once was lost and uh you can do that there so that's gonna do it for this episode we'll see you guys on the next one